That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to another super special episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home Experience. We're going to do part two of our World Cup of Entrepreneurs, I don't know, contest, <laughs> extravaganza, hashtag World Cup of Entrepreneurs. These were all voted on by you, the listeners of the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. So that everyone knows people's voices, let me reintroduce uh, my usual guest or no co-host uh chris messina inventor of the hashtag Hello. uh the uh what uh west coast business development at republic right is that your head, head of head of business head development of, at, head, at republic head muckety muck like yep um, <laughs> republic uh and we're joined by the co-hosts of the acquired podcast uh i went with ben first last time so david introduce yourself Oh, out of order. Ben always introduces himself first on, on our shows. This, this is good. I'm going for, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really bask in this now. <laughs> I'm David Rosenthal. I am one half of the acquired duo. Uh, I'm an angel investor based in San Francisco. And, and uh, Brian, I was thinking earlier, since you said contest or battle, I, I think Thunderdome is the correct, right. uh, the correct <laughs> right. uh, thing of what we're doing here. Uh, hey, everyone. Ben Gilbert. Uh, the other half of the acquired podcast and uh by day at pioneer square labs in seattle well this is where the rubber meets the road folks this is the uh quarterfinal round um everyone that is in this round has overcome a competitor um again all of this voting happened over the last two weeks on twitter voted on by the tech meme ride home listening audience um our first matchup is going to be reed hastings of netflix who lost to jeff bezos of amazon and the winning percentage for jeff bezos was 77.9 percent to reed hastings 22.1 percent now again we spoke last episode about how if we were going to do seeds uh, obviously, Jeff Bezos would have been one of the, the seeds. However, I would have thought that this would have been closer in the sense that, and this is me playing devil's advocate a little bit, um, Jeff Bezos has changed the way we buy things. And, and you can make the argument that that's a bigger impact on the economy. But Reed Hastings has changed the way that we live our lives, our our. Um, you know our, our recreational lives maybe i would make the argument that reed hastings I mean, he invented netflix and chill right <laughs> like he has more of an impact on how we live our lives every day maybe than jeff bezos um discuss uh, not that, like, if, uh, Jeff of, Bezos has anything to say about it, but <laughs> right, that, that, like Reed Hastings' business is probably built upon a business. One of the businesses that Jeff Bezos built feels like one of the 
the challenges that he would have had to overcome. I also, you know, maybe the other issue is with your audience, you know, had this been like the media gazer audience, uh, mm. there would have been more of an appreciation of what Reed Hastings had to overcome coming from outside of Hollywood and disrupting that world. Like me, only recently has Amazon bought MGM. And right. so the fact that like the, the way the power of Hollywood, I think is probably not well understood by people in Silicon Valley relative to the power that Silicon Valley now has in the world. And so that feels like one of the reasons why um, maybe Reed Hastings didn't fare as well. I think that that is 100% the way to frame it for Reed because um, we know that tech disrupted media, disrupted Hollywood, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that until Netflix, tech actually was successful at media. Right now, you can argue that Steve Jobs via um, the iTunes store, um, you know, and Pixar too, and Pixar too. But but in the in the case of iTunes, it was solving media's problems. It was giving them distribution. It was giving them a business model. But before Netflix, I can't think of a tech company that actually. It's like that old thing about. Um, when the iPhone came out, well, um, computer guys are going to come in and and uh, disrupt the you know the, the 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 phone ecosystem or whatever. But no one from Silicon Valley had come in and disrupted. Where was Blockbuster based? Um, uh, Texas, right? Houston in the past. Mm. Yeah, in the past. Mm. <laughs> in the past right. <laughs> right. Sure. Uh, there's such a good story. Oh, it was years ago that we did the two part on Netflix Unacquired, but. Uh, uh, if I'm remembering right, there's such a good like Blockbuster really should have won, and oh, it they, was Carl they had Eichen. the right strategy. Yeah, that, it was like uh, a weird shareholder thing. Like they had, they, they were about thing, to pull yeah. the trigger on like Reed. putting Netflix in their grave, and then shareholder yep. problems. I, you know, I will say that in Reed Hastings' defense, you know, one of the things that's so important about the Netflix story is the pivot from being a DVD focused company to one that was digital and streaming. You and mean Quickster? It, well, yeah. Thank you. Yes, exactly. It's it's sort of like um, what was the one from last year that you know fizzled out also that had like seven billion dollars in funding. Quibi. Quibi. Yeah. Thank you. A Quickster, a Quibi, similar. But actually, hey, David, let me, let me just make my point though. Yeah, yeah. Like because this was also a bet the farm kind of moment, and I don't know if you can say whether the rollout was botched or whether the consumer, like the consumers, just couldn't see the future and didn't believe in it, and the familiarity and the tactility of dvds and i guess like to me this is like the product learning and the learning about people is that that was so much more present for them like going to a, a blockbuster and getting vhs or dvds was so important getting the dvd in the mail was a, a ritual and it was understood and streaming the performance sucked you know your computer sucked you didn't have your computer you hooked silver up to your tv when they first launched oh it. god oh, Silverlight! Right. yes Silverlight. microsoft drm uh, bullshit uh, it was like worse than flash at the same time reed was right you know that, well, that that's my point right so so many things kind of had to happen and uh, like i mean and I, I i guess i say this also because you know when people like ask me about like the hashtag i have a similar feeling where it's like you know had you know twitter and social media and instagram not succeeded and not taken off you know no one would give a shit about like me or the hashtag so the same thing was true with like you know netflix the streaming platforms had to come out computers had to get faster a lot of things that we assumed were going to happen did and as a result netflix was able to win right 
uh, did the episode and I know I listened to it. Um, but where do you come down on the idea that they, of course, um, posit these days, which is, well, we always knew we were going to do streaming. There is a reason why it's called Netflix and it's not dvdbymail.com. Do you believe that, that they always had this vision and that the DVD by mail was just a placeholder for them? Uh, not this exact vision, but like, I totally believe that, that uh, they were going to be whatever the form of movies on the internet takes. And I, I, I do like, I really do think most big companies become valuable by having one multi-billion dollar innovation and Netflix has had three and it's, it's quite remarkable. Like even Apple's only had two or three. Microsoft has had two in Windows and Office. Uh, Netflix had, we are going to figure out how to get a, a, a distribution by doing this mail thing. And we're going to time it perfectly with when you can mail DVDs. And we're going to make that cost effective. And we're going to shock the world by saying, keep a DVD as long as you want. We're not like Blockbuster where you have to return it two days later. Amazing, disruptive concept. Then again, with streaming. Then again, with original concept original content like they kicked off this new golden era of television that we live in where the the power House has sort of, of shifted uh, yeah. one one click in the the value chain away from the studios and actually to these platforms which maybe that's good maybe that's not but it's totally disruptive I, actually i mean to build on that what, what, what you're suggesting i think is super important because tech companies have always wanted to get free labor and free content and so crowdsourcing was the 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 methodology by which you would fill your feeds, your news feed, your, you know, Instagram profiles. And if you motivated it with um, likes and other types of dopamine, then you could get people work to work for free. So Netflix going in the other direction and saying, actually, quality content is important and it is worth paying for. And we're going to, you know, spend more than Hollywood currently does in some ways. Business model. Yeah. Well, in some ways has ushered yeah. in. Yes. I mean, YouTube probably, you know, there's no, you know, founder of YouTube in here, but YouTube, but also Netflix sort of ushered in what is happening now with the creator economy where people have an expectation that content is worth paying for. Yep. At the end of the day. So Brian started this matchup mm -hmm. by talking Excellent. about the fact that Netflix really revolutionized how so many people are entertained and, and Amazon sort of all they did was sort of, you know, modernize the way that we get stuff. And I was just looking at the numbers to try and figure out well, how many people are. It's actually quite interesting. There are about 200 million Prime members and about 200 million Netflix subscribers. Wow. And it's just, it's wow. interesting to note. The, so that's crazy the, that Prime Video hasn't actually taken a cut yeah. of Netflix. Well, <laughs> okay, but but here's the thing. Like, I pay Netflix $216 per year before sales tax. Hmm. I pay Amazon uh. a ungodly crap to yeah, lots of money thousands every year. of dollars yeah <laughs> you know what can I, I can i make one more analogy because this was the matchup of bezos versus hastings so amazon versus netflix um if if you want to give credit to bezos for this idea of uh as people ragged on them for years and years and years we're never going to make money because we're reinvesting in the company what is did, did which was right <laughs> which was right and did hastings like buy, maybe not uh, steal that from bezos the idea that we're going to spend 
what is it close to 20 billion dollars on content creation this year so like we're not i know that that netflix is making yeah. money but this idea that you have to spend money to make money i think actually now that i'm thinking about it like the the cable tv model from the 70s and the 80s comes to that where it's like you you create loads of debt because you can you service the debt out. with yeah. the with the monthly um, subscription revenue and things like that. But there's a, there's an analogy. Private there equity, that, baby. Yeah. Yeah. The, the spending money to make money is both Bezos and, and Hastings. Believe yeah. in that. Well, when you, you also, you asked Brian, um, did, was it the plan from the very beginning for Netflix to become what it is today? I don't know that, uh, I don't remember enough to answer that exactly, but I will say in a sort of uh, feather in Reed's entrepreneurial hat, uh, this is their outcome where they've gotten to is wholly path dependent. Like they could not have done streaming if they had not had not done DVD. They could not have done co- original content if they hadn't done streaming and DVD before. It all stacked up. And it goes back to like the, the wedge, the, the thing that was brilliant there was the consumer demand and you know, like Ben, you were saying it was so much better to use Netflix than to use Blockbuster and not have late fees. But the real uh, thing that they saw was the first sale doctrine allowed a tech company to enter into the movie business without having to deal with the movie studios because they bought the DVDs and then legally they could do whatever they wanted with them. And they didn't have to go talk to the studios in the beginning. And now of course they're taking over the studios, but like they were able to get this wedge in that was absolutely brilliant. I forgot about that first sale doctrine, David. That's a good, that's a good call. Well, and now it's all about owning IP and dealing with like the ownership of, of uh, ideas. And th- but th- I thought that was a great point too, that whether, whether they were brilliant enough to have, a plan where A builds to B builds to C, that's a good entrepreneur. Another good entrepreneur is someone that doesn't have the plan, but once A happens, you see that B is possible. And once B happens, you see that C is possible so that you see the angles and you play them. So there's two different kinds of entrepreneurs, the the one with the, the grand plan the whole way and the one that sees what has been enabled by the success that you've already achieved, essentially. Um, moving on to the next matchup, which is uh, Jack Dorsey versus Elon Musk. And remember, if you remember our previous episode, Jack Dorsey was the big upset against uh, Mark Zuckerberg, but he apparently hit a brick wall when it comes to Elon Musk. Now, the percentages are, you know, one of the closest. Uh, I want to look up who actually has more followers on Twitter, Elon or Jack. Do that. I was going to say, the fact that, like, Elon it's can beat be Jack Elon. on his own platform is is something of a like that is a real. I feel like it's like Elon, moment. Donald Trump, and like LeBron James. <laughs> oh, listen, by the oh way, my gosh, guys, do you, do you, if if you okay, don't know if us, you know abstain, us. but guess how no many idea. followers do you think Jack has on uh, Twitter? Fifteen million. Yeah, I was going to say thirteen. Twenty million. Five point six. Oh, what? Wow! And Ain't nothing. I was guessing Elon probably has like 35. What did he get booted off the Who to Follow list? <laughs> yeah, Elon has took himself off. 59. I was gonna say 59 million. I was gonna By say by the time wow. this episode comes out, he how many will have 60 have? million. Well, listen, think, the, here's here's the percentages how it broke down. Uh, Elon Musk won 73.2% to 26.8%. And again, that's closer than most of these contests. So on the one hand, you could say 
And that, the home court advantage didn't help Jack all that much. Yeah, but <laughs> at the same time, when I when I tweeted this, I said Jack Dorsey of Twitter versus Elon Musk of memes. Like I put in parentheses, <laughs> why are you know? So it, 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 it's not necessarily that Jack is the meme lord that Elon Musk is. But all right, our job right now. By the way, Elon is bigger than LeBron on Twitter. Really, I didn't realize. Yeah. Not um, Instagram though. That's wait. Who's up. the who's the most hmm. followed person on Twitter right now? Quick. I don't know. Somebody Google that one. Maybe Elon. Uh, it's entirely yeah. no. It's probably like um, uh, uh, Ronaldo or or somebody mm. like that. Yeah. Um, uh, it's uh, Obama. Mm. What? Uh, no. It's like every time like I see six years someone, old. they're like, yeah. Uh, so just, Obama's just rocking the hundred and thirty million. Whoa, wow. that's more than LeBron wow. has on Instagram, which is ninety-eight million. Wow. Mm. Okay. Okay. Somebody. Obama. We got it. Yeah, Justin guy. Bieber has 114 million and Katie Perry right, has. This is wildly going off the rails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because we need to do we need to do justice to Jack Dorsey. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do it this way, which is uh here's here's two channels, and then you can add other channels. Number one, unlike a lot of other people on these lists, multiple companies founded multiple hugely successful companies Stripe, and he's up uh, against the only other guy on this list who's currently ceo of two companies right and uh right. uh i said stripe but i know it's square but like square was early to fintech which is so huge yeah. right now yeah um but then what i said uh, in the last episode which was that twitter which again was jack's idea i mean kind of hazy but uh jack's idea ish <laughs> he has the uh, design for status on a you know yeah line right. piece we've, of paper we've but all that sat.us that is the first sort of kind of new idea after facebook kind of solves social media in the sense that it's more real time and things like that and look you know if we well, talk I, about I, in both cases though yeah. right like you know what chris these, you should take this go yeah go <laughs> well, i mean but the, the 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 parallels to me again a lot of what we're talking about are these i think ben you might have said it like these small incremental but very distilled you know like uh what is it uh, like ice wine kind of you know distillations of a of an idea brought to market and then socialized and built into these behemoths. And in the case of Twitter, it was recognizing that Facebook was a desktop app and didn't work over SMS, which was the new mobile frontier. So the fact that Twitter was largely an SMS app in the beginning is really what separated it and also forced a series of constraints on the product experience. I mean, that's where the hashtag came from. You know, we had 140 characters and I had to make use of that to, you know, solve that problem. Additionally, Square came out of the, which doesn't exist anymore on the iPhone, the headphone jack being used as a credit card reader, which when I first saw that, that was like one of those mind blowing moments where you're like, you really? can do that? Amazing. Like, what? So I feel like those two innovations around, and, and again, like, I guess I relate to it because, you know, the hashtag came out of the hardware keyboard, the numeric keypad that had an asterisk and a pound symbol on it. And the pound symbol wasn't being used for anything. So I got to use it. You know, there was like the headphone jack so that you're like, cool. how do you do payments on the mobile phone? And you're like, oh, the headphone jack. Right. Cause you listen to me like what? So we're, uh, those two were, things were with all the, with Jack and all the, and all the Twitter folks uh, in the early days. I was, I, you know, I was in their social circles, you know, I could like go into like Twitter's headquarters. I was more friends with like Blaine and some of the, the, the more technical folks. Um, 
I mean, I knew Jack when he was an engineer. I mean, it's also worth remembering that there was an internecine period where, you know, Jack was kind of out of the company and yep. there was a lot of like weird politics and, you know, Twitter yeah, itself who, was a shit show early, for a long time. The early technical guys that, that really helped it scale, like, uh, like uh, RSA was folks. there and yep. uh, Alex Payne. Yep. Alex Payne right. for sure. Yeah. Blaine. Um, yeah. A lot of those folks. And Anyways, you know, Jack sort of persisted. I, maybe he was like the last guy out, you know, like he had to turn the lights off and that's how he became CEO. I don't know. But um, I just, I, I think it's really important to sort of recognize those innovations built on what I see as almost like drops in a pond that just have these reverberations and ripples out. Whereas, you know, Elon comes along and, you know, granted, I'm sure we'll get to him, you know, and does things that are, you know, literally like rocket science or, you know, like car engineering. Like those are not just kind of like one little thing that's like, oh, look, there's this like a random appendage, you know, that's yeah, like yeah, built yeah. into the the apparatus of reality that I can like build upon. Well, let's let's hold okay, let's without drifting into Elon territory yet, just to give yeah. Jack his due. There is this remarkable thing where in general in life, I was like the adage of uh once you're lucky, twice you're good. And mm. like for Jack you know, obviously how painful it must be getting ousted when something that was really kind of your idea did blow up, did become this, like nothing grew as fast ever as Twitter did. It was, it was just this unbelievable growth story right. and that being ousted and saying like, you know what, like wh I'm going to gather all the chutzpah I can and I'm going to, I have another really good idea. And of course, like, it's not just that he had an idea. He went to St. Louis and he knew Jim and, you know, they, they sort of started this, but like unbelievable that his product vision hmm. was sort of validated as as a visionary that like yep you got another one in you and it's just as big yeah um we're talking about you know finding chris is saying like finding little niche things like the headphone jack and what can we use it for and the idea that like nothing nothing was as impenetrable as payments and banking and things like that. And I think <laughs> yes. you guys have done an episode on it about like, you know, the ways that he saw the way in. I've heard stories about the people that like explain yeah, like the him, wedges, the wedges into finance, but the first person to crack finance being him and leading to this FinTech revolution, I think can't be underestimated, especially yeah. as the FinTech revolution is basically changing the world right now. I think you could maybe even argue that Jack has, uh, it's not organized as such, but he's got three wins, not just two. He's got Twitter, the original Square, and then the Cash App. Yep. I, I Have you guys done a, you did a specific episode on the Cash App? No, no we should. Square and it was That's before the rise of the okay, Cash App. Okay, because I've, 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 I've obliquely mentioned this on the podcast before about the Cash App alone as a product is worth you know, such a deep dive in like Harvard business school, but like yeah. just the way that they've made that successful. Um, okay. Uh, we should you know, probably, actually before, yeah. since this is like, you know, Jack's last kind of, you know, yes. hurrah, I suppose. Yes. I do think, you know, just as, um, Larry Ellison sits in my mind as sort of a Batman supervillain. I, I, I do think that like the journey of Jack is interesting in a, uh, I don't want to say the guru sort of sense, you know, I mean, not only does he sort of like dress the part and, you know, has the beard, et cetera, but like, I do feel like he's one that has gone through a personal transformation of sorts where yeah. his, you know, he's sort of in the Tim Ferriss camp of like, you know, mind body alteration 
towards a almost like more, I don't want to say like spiritual presence, but in the sense that his lifestyle is also influential in the same way, like, you know, Brian, you were talking about Oprah, like in terms of the way that people perceive the way he eats, um, you know, and meditates and sleeps and, you know, does cold plunges and all these like weird esoteric things. Um, I just feel like that's also like worth thinking about because the rest of the, 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 the folks who are kind of on this list are a little bit more straight in the sort of, you know, normal, normally kind of, uh, yeah, in a way of being Jack less moved, punk rock. Jack moved the culture for sure. Yeah, that's. Mm. The, I just want to put that out there as you know. No, and actually, Chris, that's an important point because I think both you and I—well, obviously you, but me as well. Jack, I, I've never met him, but I have more friends that have worked for him and know him personally than almost anyone else on this list, and um, it has been an evolution. And listen, you know, even Twitter—if we're talking about like you know Snapchat coming back. Snap and Twitter have been the comeback stories of in terms of stocks and social media companies over the last couple of years. So there's that as well, you know, if, yeah. you know, that you can learn and evolve and things like that. Um, it is funny that Patrick Collison is coming up next, seeing as how we're talking about, you know, fintech and things like that. Um, again, if you remember from the last episode, uh, Patrick barely beat Oprah. Which, listen, again, to be a pundit here... Such a crazy thing to say. Yeah, listen, Oprah should have trounced him. Now, this was a trouncing... <laughs> we, should have, we should have tipped the scales on that well, he, one. Yeah. I almost wanted to because I thought it was going to be 50-50, and then I was just going to make the call. you know, Because, because this, this matchup is Patrick Collison versus Bill Gates, so I would have I mean, loved he had his to have come seen... Up, come up in, in this one. Right, right, right. I would have loved to have seen uh, Oprah versus Bill Gates. But yeah, this is a Bill Gates wins this one 88.9% to 11.1%. Um, I don't know to what degree, to be honest with you, this was putting Patrick in here was my sort of sop towards like the next generation. Mm. So I don't know to what degree we can really make an argument that he's a great entrepreneur yet because he's still so young. Come on. And, he, he, he's, he's, he's a world class entrepreneur. He's one of the best entrepreneurs that ever lived, but you have like the most proven entrepreneur versus an in-flight entrepreneur. Okay. But the, so let's do this now though. Uh, make the point. case, Ben, for why he is, let's, let's imagine that he will prove to be the best entrepreneur of his generation. Why do you think that he might be? Well, Stripe's core product offering probably created more value in the world as a as a platform than square that then just like j just to riff off the previous conversation yeah, I agree like with that. the amount of commerce that can happen digitally on the internet because stripe exists is like an you're not including so you're not including amount. the cash app just square pre-cash app yes yes yeah. so like i let, let's just talk like i guess uh, i am constantly in awe of the amount of innovation that has been able to happen because stripe as a product exists just like you know, it's it's leaps and bounds better than Braintree, which was leaps and bounds be better than Authorize.net and all the garbage that came before it. So there's that, and of course, this industry is impenetrable. So amazing that they were able to do this in just five lines of code. Now you can accept credit card and your application. And flash forward ten years, the product velocity that they have today is unbelievable for a company of their scale. And the amount of places that they're playing in the value chain and amount of different customers they serve, 
all with like a pretty simple, like elegant way of understanding what each of these products is, except maybe Stripe Treasury, which like I'm still trying to wrap my head around. It's it's amazing. I, like, and I I I just think like that combined with the cultural leadership that the Collison brothers have at Stripe versus any other company of that scale where you get employees fetching about uh, the leadership, you just never, ever hear that at Stripe. It's nothing but reverence. I, uh, I'm going to use another Chris Rock line, but I'm going to pr- paraphrase it because I can't, I don't want to use the real line, but um, you know, there's the Chris Rock line that my wife owns ketchup. The, the, the audacity to essentially try to own money. Like if we're talking <laughs> about the chutzpah of an entrepreneur, and, you know, we can get into the idea of, you know, APIs all the way down and things like that. But the the audacity to be like, we're going to go after money <laughs> is crazy. And they're doing it. But I mean, like, I think the you have to start with, and I think this is probably why they're they're brilliant is, you know, because you start with like, well, what is ketchup? Like, what is money? <laughs> and the, like the fact that the internet didn't come with payments built in, that 402 was never specified, kind of left this wide gaping hole. And you know, as Ben said, there were companies that sort of built it in, but again, they were so. And you see this over and over again, where companies that are wedded to the structures and institutions of the past end up getting swept away in the dustbin of history, so to speak, because they're not reconceiving of what the thing is. You know, like ketchup as a condiment. Probably again, like whoever the entrepreneur was that figured out a little bit of like, you know, tomatoes, which were in rapid abundance and some salt and, you know, some other things put together in a can and took advantage of a new medium, which was cans and canning, like, you know, caused this explosion of all sorts of products from pizza to spaghetti to who knows what else. And in a similar way, the transaction of commerce on the internet was something that was always wanting to happen, but it wasn't enabled and it wasn't easy enough. And you know, I can say this because of the work that I did on OAuth, like wanting to to move beyond passwords was so hard. It was such a common thing to do. And you had to make it so mind-numbingly simple and basic to get it adopted. And I feel like Stripe took the same approach to say, look, payments don't need to be hard. We've been exchanging value, you know, since shells. You know, this is a common thing for humans to do. Let's conceive of it in that paradigm for the medium and the moment that we live in. And that I think is what sort of separates Collison from, you know, the, the, the ones that came before. Chris, would you buy Stripe stock if it were public today at a hundred billion dollar market cap? I probably would. Uh, I mean, because honestly, there's still more growth to do. There's still more room to grow. Uh, you know, whether they're going to be paving the roads of the metaverse, like it just seems like they are, they are like, I mean, all of this stuff that's happening about the app store or whatever is this adjacent space where Stripe just continues to move forward and they're part of so many transactions. And as I understand it, once you're part of the, the Stripe metaverse, your customers are locked in there. You can't get them out. And so that's a really, really big mm. moat. And I'm sure that's why one, they command the valuation that they have and why everyone wants to get in there because they a- realize that that sunk cost is going to be impossible to recoup. Here's here's an interesting uh thought which is either a bull or a bear case for stripe and certainly is an argument that we are going to need to redo this list at some point in time because there's a whole category of folks that are not are you on going it. crypto david i'm saying that bitcoin's <laughs> market cap is about 8x stripes right now <laughs> so think about that and they were both started at like right around the same time Guessing is we 
<laughs> this is a common parlance right now. Uh, VCs and people in Silicon Valley would pay basically any dollar amount to get their hands on Stripe shares right now. Stripe um, is a meme as much as a company. Yeah. Just like Tesla. But yeah, what, what is wild though, and yep. yet yep. Bitcoin is, you know, 8x higher valued right now. Well, I, I wanted to, I almost put, um, I, I wanted to do Shopify and do Toby on this list, right? And I'm not saying that one, that Patrick is more important than the other, but the thing that put Patrick on over Toby was that, like, where would Shopify be without Stripe? Mm, right. So right. It, when we're talking about this idea of like the the enabling other things, the platforms, the APIs, and all that stuff, like it's it's such going to money on this level is so fundamental. And I get what you're saying about Bitcoin and crypto and all those things. That's not been proven yet, but right now today, what um, Stripe is doing in real world use cases. And again, oh, please don't at me, <laughs> crypto people. <laughs> but uh, but like it's it's happening right now for you know a friggin' uh, pizza place around the corner. Also, like th these things do not seem like they're incompatible, right? I mean, like Stripe, no, could, no, no, if, if it doesn't already support crypto, can. Um, all right, all right, all right. Brian McCullough hates crypto. Go on. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> I think he hated Bitcoin. Is that the yeah? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm right. I'm hot on Solana these days. So yes, I'm off I'm uh, off Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, Solana's wow. had a had a bad Bound week. for 17 hours. It's, yeah, it's yeah, good. yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, all right, moving They're on. Good folks. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID, and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months, or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Uh, this is one, I, I have an interesting case to make on this one. So the next matchup is um, Larry and Sergey of Google versus Steve Jobs. Now, again, you're going against Steve Jobs. Who's going to beat Steve Jobs? He wins 76.7% to 23.3%, which again, if we're looking at the numbers, it's closer than other uh, competition. I'm going to throw this out there. This is the one time that I'm going to be um, super devil's advocate. I don't think that Larry and Sergey are good uh, entrepreneurs at all. And I think Chris, you might have alluded Ooh. to that also. I don't think they are at all. I mean, I think that the, the point that you guys made before where they kind of had like one good idea and then they just kind of like built it out. Um, you know, I think is, is one part of it. I think the bigger part of it is, I think they just don't give a shit. Like they, they kind of, they don't really have a world changing world building, like play, right? Like Elon wants to go to Mars. Like, you know, Bill Gates took over the world with his software and is now curing malaria, you know, like Larry and Sergey, like wants to, I mean, I think 
is it's Larry wants to go, I think, do either autonomous vehicles or flying cars. And Sergey wants to wear strange shoes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't okay, really no, Chris, get where they're going. Now, again, to devil's advocate, my own devil's advocate, they, if you put it that way, they're the best entrepreneurs because they're literally creating the moonshots when other people aren't. So they have this one great idea that gives them a shit ton of money. And maybe only Elon is the other person that's like, now that I have this money, I want to do X, Y, and Z that no one's ever done, that no one could ever dream of. So for the entrepreneurial spirit in theory. No, I think they- so, so this, this raises a question, right? And I think this is one that I've been trying to like figure out in this mix, which is the degree to which as, as a sort of a brilliant entrepreneur, you have to actually engage with people and society and the rest of the smelly masses. And I feel like Larry and Sergey just don't have an interest in it. Whereas there are other folks who are like, you know, in the arena, uh, yeah. and, are, are, are willing to go there, even if it's uncomfortable. I feel like, you know, Elon will go to like the, the galas and stuff like that with Grimes, not necessarily because he wants to, but because like, he's willing to, he's willing to be visible. He's willing to be out there and he's willing to do that shitty work and dealing with, with humans that just don't understand like his, his master plan and vision. And I feel like Larry and Sergey are kind of like, like they did like the, the Ellison thing, they bought their Island and now they're going to like live there. Cause you know, screw humans, you, you know, billionaire <laughs> so, like, Billionaire stuff. Billionaire stuff. It's, and, it's yeah. like, and like Elon doesn't really do billionaire stuff. Like he lives, he lives in, in a, a shack house. Like yeah, he lives in a, a two bedroom little, like maybe 2000 top square foot house. In That's Wyndham, what I mean. Like, no, it's like way he, less than that. Yeah. Like they're building like this vision in this like world that they want to sort of get to on behalf of other humans, like on behalf of the human race. And Maybe I'm, I don't know, I, you know, I worked at Google, like I have a lot of like respect for the company and what it achieved and its ambitions to, you know, organize the world's information to make it useful. Like that is an amazing goal, but I kind of feel like they got to a certain point and then they, they kind of like checked out. And that to me feels like you've like left the game, like sort of in the s- sixth inning and there's still so much more to do. So that's, that's where I'm kind of like a hundred, uh, just yeah, a hundred percent. I think that they checked out. They did do the thing where it's like, you know what? I'm worth billions of dollars. I can have a yacht. I can be in the Mediterranean. Or I, I think one of them is in a Tahitian island and has been since the beginning of COVID. Yes, like, that's right. Y- you yep. can do these things, right? And 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 life is short, you know? And so, no one's blaming you, but you're no, not right. going to win our contest that way. So let me... <laughs> that's, that's right. That's okay. Right. Let me say that... I like that. Two sides of the coin here, which is number one, both these both of these dudes were academics they were going the phd yeah. route they were going the we're going to be they would be professors somewhere with tenure whatever whatever um i'm not saying that you can't suddenly become an entrepreneur from another walk of life or whatever but i don't think i would argue that that they I don't think that they had the the entrepreneur, I don't know, spirit, gift, whatever that I, is. I think that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Like when it comes to the grit of of being an entrepreneur in the business world. Okay. They they would prefer they to seem stay... like the least gritty people on this list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let and, me... and again, I, I let me also clarify that yeah. isn't to diminish their achievements. That isn't to say that oh, they're no. less amazing. Yes. I, I think when you evaluate them as entrepreneurs, the type of shanking that Zuckerberg will do, like I just feel like they'd be like, they'd leave oh, the arena, yeah, you know, yeah, and they'd like yeah. walk out and they'd be like, too much okay. blood. Can, we, uh, oh. can I do real, yes, real quick real, two, two yes. last little feathers for them? Uh, YouTube and Android. Uh, huge, huge feathers. Now, obviously they didn't 
build those, but I don't think they would have acquired them if they weren't, especially Android, if they weren't like, no, we got to do this. Okay, but David, now I know I've seen the emails that I, I think it's Larry that's like, we should buy Android and things like this. But also, did they just do the thing that is not since Zuckerberg common, which is they did the thing, which is we'll get adults in the room. And they got adults in the room that made those decisions and made those things happen. Right. Um, I'm not saying that like they should win. (laughs) I'm just saying like I think we got to give them some credit for. Oh no, no. Okay, before we leave them, I want to make this very, very, very strong case. The modern idea of how a tech startup works, the culture, the way it's organized, the way you hire, is them. So even if we don't think that they have the shiv ability of Mark Zuckerberg, um, they're not as bloodthirsty. They also did have the insight, or at least the that was in their nature, that we want to create a place where we want to work where the best and brightest mm, yeah, are here. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, and that that's was an not excellent the case point. Them. Yeah. yeah, I think like having having worked there and worked in the Google campus and there, there was a lot more playfulness and a lot more generosity in, you know, for ideas. But you know, you did. There was a kind of credentialing and a very kind of quasi arrogant elitist. You know, you had to be super yeah, did, smart. Did you feel you know? like you were like, like literally, like, wow, this is like the assemblage of the best and brightest people on the planet right now? Like, um, the way that I would, the way that I would evaluate it is on a couple of different like dimensions. Because I want to build on Brian's point by just saying that Google's culture did kind of, it's one of the, the things that permeated the valley and spread out. And so when I would go to other companies and there were people from Google, there was a language in a way that we would talk that was so specific to where we came from. And so that is very important in terms of influence. Um, in terms of my experience going to Google in 2010 and then working on Google+, Plus. The huge deficit that Google obviously had was they had very, very smart engineers that knew nothing about people and didn't care about people. And so that may also explain my previous bias, where I think about Larry and Sergey and they were just aloof. You know, you think about Google Glass, you know, versus like the product that, you know, Facebook just launched, um, you know, with their spectacles. Like there's a sensitivity for fashion and for taste and for culture and for all that stuff that just feels like noise, but is actually quite important to getting things adopted and used in society. And that hubris and arrogance was a type of deficiency and uh, it was like defensiveness around it that I think Googlers, not all, I don't want to overgeneralize, but we're reluctant to really care about. And once we entered into the social era of technology, pure mathematical um, superiority was no longer sufficient to build products that people really wanted to use and loved. Okay, y'all. Great. Um, that, that ends the quarterfinals. We're on to the semifinals. And so that means there's only three more matchups. Um, with Larry and Sergey bowing out. (laughs) That brings us back to the other side of the brackets. So we have Jeff Bezos going against Elon Musk, which, to be honest with you, ahead of this, I'm not sure I could have called this one. And it is closer. This might be the 
Second or third closest one of the list. Elon Musk. Oh, so wait. So hang on. Before you tell us the yes. quick proposal here. So the email that you sent us has a right. bunch of question marks. Right. Because these hadn't these votes hadn't happened yet. So do you want to oh. guess? Or should we should we call our picks definitive and argue and uh, and see oh. if we can come to a consensus on this call? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, no, let's 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 let's. I like the idea of guessing, and then then yeah. we want to hear what the public said. Guess who you think won, and 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 try to give me some numbers. I'm going with Elon sixty forty. Exactly yeah, I what say I was going to say. Seventy four, you know, thirty six. Elon wins 62.3 to 37.7. Boom, Rosenthal. Yeah, very good. Which means we have to say goodbye to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> well, he's, he's going Bezos. on his rocket ship anyways. Yeah, he's, he's saying goodbye he's, to all of us too. Oh, I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right, look. There's no other way to say this. He was one of the earliest entrepreneurs of the internet era. And I said in my book that there's no one else like even you know uh, mark andreessen had to go off and become a vc like the person that did the first e-commerce company created the, the the category proved that people that you could make money on the internet did it until about six uh, what is it three months ago hmm. um yeah. And then we can go into all of the other things, the, uh, you know, spending money, uh, being willing to lose money forever and ever to build the business to, to AWS to, I don't know, friggin' to being able know, to attract the shareholders who are going to bear with mm. you for 25 oh. years while you lose money. We're That's even amazing. talking about, we're even talking mm -hmm. about Netflix's recommendation engine. The recommendation engine comes from the software innovations <laughs> that Amazon created, you know, like filtering. I mean, I don't know even where to go with this well not to uh, not to mention just like the supply chain innovation oh, and the ability buying, you know yeah. and like prime and like the membership thing and oh prime warehousing uh fulfillment yeah. centers plus he's got a delivery you know i feel I'll, like I'll say something. all, oh, all ahead, the ben. best business quotes are jeff bezos quotes like any time like your margin is my opportunity or when you're mm, talking about the, the the aws um uh, primitives that that we're going to build on top of it's like Jeff reading a sci-fi book, or when you talk about uh, the the idea that you know of platforms that it wasn't until we had UPS and the internet that you could build Amazon. You know that he took advantage of the giants that came before him. Like he has this unbelievable conciseness to be able to communicate business concepts that I think inspire generations. And I'll say, uh, so this is going to sound trite, but I, I actually really believe it. And I think it's true in Bezos's case. All of the amazing stuff that uh, he and Amazon created, I think the most amazing thing is the culture at Amazon. Uh, and before Amazon, just like we were saying how would you, Google, By the way, how, how would you sort of you know describe it? Right. Given my uh, description of Google, how, how would yeah, you talk about Amazon? It's so different, right? Like They, I, they I mean, are the I've most innovative there. large company. Yeah, and I how? would say how it's, though it's the first to my mind. Again, I've never worked there, uh, but just studying it from afar and having lots of friends who do. To my mind, Amazon is the first company of a new, like um, I hate this word, but you know, paradigm of how to organize companies. Like they're like like um, you know, Ford was like the first like uh, you know uh, industrial like uh, you know a manufacturing line assembly line company like 
Amazon is the first decentralized company. Like they really mean the two pizza team thing. Yeah, I mean, know? actually, like, like that that is exactly how Uber was was organized as well. And yeah, we had yeah, exactly. folks at the top from Amazon that designed it more or less after the structure of, of Amazon. And we're so. starting to see it disseminate out into you know yep. other companies like it, but it's just gonna continue. Like it's a wholly different way of conceiving like what the organization is and how it operates and how innovation happens and what the you know what we do here <laughs> uh and uh you know again like lots of people don't like it it has its challenges you know it's there's some things that are great for the world there's some things that are bad for the world with it but it was wholly new uh and i think that's like the to my mind the biggest thing that bezos contributed jeff bezos may not be the best entrepreneur on this list we got bezos musk bill gates and steve jobs obviously because the, the people have voted him out, but he is the best business person on this, mm. this list. I mean, I, the, the, well, given, you know, I think the fact that Jeff Bezos started, um, in the financial world, right. He mm -hmm. started and Brian, you can probably speak to this better than I can, but started hedge in fund. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And took that mentality and brought it to the internet and then started with books because of the various attributes of selling books in order to then extend those patterns to every other form of commerce if we're talking is unique about, in this if list. If we're talking about the entrepreneurs that saw the opportunity of the internet era, he literally was at DE Shaw, saw that usage of the internet was going up something like 37,000% a month or something like that, <laughs> and was like, shit, I don't care. I'm going to do something here. You're never going to see anything like that, growth like that outside of a Petri dish, right? So if we're talking he was about- the Sam Bankman Freed of his era. <laughs> if we're talking about of the internet entrepreneurs, beyond Bill Gates, beyond Steve Jobs, beyond any of them, he's the one that in this era is like, I see the tidal wave of history, planting my flag, yeah. waiting for the wave to come. But that's not enough for an entrepreneur. You know, lots of people saw the wave coming. And again, he's the one that wrote it all the way. So, way, yeah, it, it, it's such a good point. Like if you think about the five large tech companies, you've got Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Google, and quick diatribe. The, this notion of Fang, including Netflix in there instead of Microsoft, is just stupid. Like the company is not in the same league, market <laughs> right, right, wise, right. revenue wise. That's just a Wall Street thing because it's it all Kramer the stocks thing. going up at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you look at those five companies. Amazon is the only one that was a dot com company that survived the dot com bubble. Exactly. Apple and Microsoft are from the 70s. Facebook uh, and Google are post bubble. Yahoo's not around. Yep. Yep. Um, I actually think like, so like my, I, I actually think Jeff Bezos is a better business person, but not a better entrepreneur than Elon Musk, mm. because I think oh, like Elon Musk an interesting is the most impressive modern industrialist. Like the fact that he's wow. Tesla's chief engineer. I mean, you look at like, yeah. they're having the model three shortages and he's sleeping at the factory. Like it's just a very different type of person and mentality than Jeff. Maybe Jeff was doing that back in the book. I'm sure like when they were trying to figure out how to make every prime order. Oh, he was. Time, he, 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 stuff like that. he was down on the floor boxing the orders up together. And his big innovation was he bought knee pads for everybody. And then someone That's was right. like, well, we could also have desks. Tables. Yeah. <laughs> Tables. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say it's funny. Well, not technically true anymore because we had an 
awesome acquired listener in our Slack community, organize a, a SpaceX uh, secondary SPV. So I do yeah, through via secondarily hashtag proud investor. That. Yeah, hashtag. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, nice. I'm really I'm going to take a lot of credit for SpaceX. But of all the fan companies. Uh, and I'm looking down the list. Every other company on this list, I only hold Amazon in my personal account, and it is my mm. largest position in my personal mm. account. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Amazon was one of those stocks that for years I was like, "Oh, I missed it. It's 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 gone. It's gone up so much. I missed it. I it's gone up so much. I missed it." And then I don't know. And then it still had 50x left. Ten it. years ago, <laughs> right? I'm right. just like, "Fuck it." I don't care. <laughs> and by the way, okay. I don't even know what exit is, but whatever. I'm going to do one thing to close out with um, with Bezos, because this might lead us into eventually the Steve Jobs conversation. Um, but to use, uh, Chris knows I love to use soccer analogies, but um, uh, I wonder what it means when an entrepreneur like this leaves a company in, in the sense that like when Alex Ferguson left Manchester mm-hmm. United, you know, Alex Ferguson is someone, a, a soccer coach, or a football manager that um, people read business people read his book because he was perhaps the most successful professional sports manager of the last 50 years. So what does also that mean? To, by, the book was written by Mike Moritz too, which makes there it you go. Exactly. worth reading in and of itself. Building culture, building a way, a process, a way of doing business, um, you know, it, it, it's looking good for Manchester United this year because they got a, a Ronaldo back and things like that. But um, they have they have not been successful since this person that mm. transformed their fortune for twenty years uh, left. Um, I I wonder to what degree, if we did this five years, ten years from now, um, would we look differently at Amazon if the transition, like, would it be like, oh my God, Bezos was more of a genius? Or less of a genius because you know yeah. we'll see we'll find out. Um, with that, I mean, I will I w- say like yeah, go just, ahead. Just to add to this, like the fact that they managed the transition as well as they did this year, where mm-hmm. you know it really felt like you know Bezos was this sort of asymptotic figure, you know, ahead, you know, the the SS Amazon, so to speak, uh, and then he was able to step aside and let Andy Jassy come in, and you know the guy who's you know in charge of. Um, AWS and there wasn't a huge disruption. I mean, I feel like yeah. when Tim Cook took took over from Steve Jobs, like that was another watershed moment and a similar question could have been asked. Yes. And I think in this moment, the question of what Amazon becomes in the Jassy era is far less less clear um, than I think you know, Apple, right? I mean, Steve Jobs even had sort of parting words like, oh, I cracked the you know TV and all these other things, <laughs> right? right? And it was sort of just building out generations of, of the iPhone. For Amazon, wh- you know, what is the next set of acts? And has Bezos left the right set of playbooks or the right set of roadmaps or, or what? Or I mean, there's his leadership principles. Leadership? I mean, he's basically yeah. codified yeah. his belief of what entrepreneurship is into a set of mm. principles and left them on tablets for the company. Well, and that's what I think. That's kind of what mm. I meant about that culture. Like the yep. uh, the way it works, that it's not like some genius. It's not like Bezos hands down what you know, look at the fire fund, right? Like it's the way that the organization works is it's like uh, 
it's, it's like complexity theory, you know, it's just like built on like lots and lots of little experiments. And then the things that work, you feed them and you're just constantly running experiments. So, well, and to build on that though, the principle of being the, the world's most customer centric company, like is a robust statement yeah. that as long as you can continue to agree on who the customer is, and that will probably be the biggest political question going forward for Amazon, <laughs> then I do think that Amazon has that place and position and can hold on to it because having a unifying principle or idea to bring together decentralized units is probably the most important thing that you can imagine. And yeah. so I think to your point about culture being important, decentralized culture that remains coherent over time is or could be one of the biggest innovations that persists. I think uh, also when we're talking about, maybe if we ever do another one of these, it should be the best CEO, the World Cup of CEOs or the be- mm. uh, World Cup of Managers or something like that. Um, when you do a transition with a company, it helps if the entrepreneur, the founder wants to leave. Now, Steve Jobs didn't want to leave. Uh, God wanted him to leave, I guess. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it God, helps. God and Gil Emilio. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's right. Okay. Right. I forgot about the first time. He left. That's right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, but but wow. I think it helps that Bezos is like, I'm good. Right. Yeah. Um, and so if we ever do another one of these and, and, and we'd have to have Tim Cook in there in terms of like the best CEOs and, and things like that. Um, By the way, Brian, is that is that Bezos on the wall behind you? Which one? Uh, yeah, that one is um, that when he was Time Magazine Person of the Year in 1999. 99. I mean that that awesome. is a run. That is yeah. a run. Yeah. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at cutsclothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. Cutsclothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. 
Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Um, okay, I'm, I'm transitioning to the second semifinal, uh, which is perhaps the most classic matchup you could have in yeah. a tournament like this. Clash of Titans. This is this is what the punters in the stands paid their tickets for. Uh, <laughs> it is Steve Jobs versus Bill Gates. I mean, in it is the, to the it is taste oh, versus iron. Okay, Ooh. you know what? Ooh. We're gonna have we're. We're not going to talk about Steve Jobs right now because Steve Jobs beat Bill Gates 71.3%, Ooh. 28.7%. Right, 71.3% to 28.7%. So one of, in the middle of the road in terms of the percentages, in terms of victory. I want to come back to that point about taste when we get to Steve Jobs. But I would make an argument... Again, I, I don't mean to be doing this, like being the going against what the voters have said. Bill Gates is a better entrepreneur, capital E, than Steve Jobs. Yes, no, am I am I canceled? He no. is a oof, this is hard. I mean, it really depends on like this is this brings it back to the very first thing that we talked about, you know, Chris and I sort of debating what is entrepreneurship because Steve Jobs is a better artist and a better, he's better at creating products that people love. Creating products is a far better business Business person, strategist. What is is the difference? Good at capturing Hmm. value that they create. What is the difference between an entrepreneur that creates a product and an entrepreneur that creates a business? So they're a business person. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, like it, to me, this what 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 this what it it feels like these are two different either archetypes or sort of heroes or you know like there's Batman and there's Superman and they're yeah, like not yes, the same. Yes, I love that. And to me, I feel like we have visionaries, people who see the future and see the world differently, and are you mean they willing think to. <sighs> Thank you. I was getting there. But yes. <laughs> Are Bill Gates is totally to Batman, by the way. Put yeah, put, put <laughs> ads. Jobs being Superman out there, you know, where like there's a person throwing a hammer at you know Big Brother and willing to take that on, and of course, you know, eventually becomes Big Brother, whatever. It's fine. On the other hand, there is someone who just you know is is a meticulous like you know planner and executor and finds ways of almost like jujitsu using the momentum of other players in the space to benefit their own platform and that is why when we evaluate zuckerberg like bill gates is not far behind because zuckerberg 
absorbs i mean he's like rogue you know like with the x-men who just yeah. like absorbs all the talent of the people around him and all their ideas like he did that with bill oh, gates he's totally then, he's like robin too with batman or not, not robin was different but like he is he's he's the batman he's the next actor to play batman whoever is the robin that wanted to become batman and was like sort yeah. of jealous of him but sort of yeah. also was robin at the, yeah. yeah yeah you're talking Chris, about zuck wanting to be gates right that, that uh, well, was what i, mean, I meant is, yeah so, yes. And in the sense that, and he did, if you think about the windows platform and you think about what's happening now with the app store, right? You think about how Steve jobs didn't want the app store on the phone. He resisted yeah. it because yeah. everything that was going to be on this pristine, perfect device had, to, be had perfect. to sort of come from the Godhead directly, you know, in talking too much about Steve jobs. <laughs> This is fair, fair. I thought I was talking about Bill Gates. Bill Gates, right? I was as, comparing and contrasting okay, these on, two archetypes. On, on. All right, where get, get, one get is there. the visionary and the other is the executor, and I'm drawing a parallel between the ways in which first Bill Gates created the Windows platform, which was actually a lot more open and free. And I find this very almost offensive to me because of the work that I did on Mozilla and Firefox and fighting against Internet Explorer. Yet. Microsoft and Windows was more open than the Apple ecosystem, which I live in now. So the irony of these things is very. You mean Windows you know, Explorer, which was uh, which was Mosaic Internet <laughs> like, Explorer. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, okay. Anyway, like the the fact that Windows enabled just like Stripe, all of these different players to basically yeah. become you know or, or join the computing revolution, provided again all roads led back to Windows. That was the Bill Gates playbook. And then it's Zuck e saw that and did the same thing with the Facebook platform. Right. Now, it's even worse than that because in my research, and there, I've only found this in a couple of places, the idea that the, the, the Microsoft motto was um, a Windows software on every computer right. in the world. It wasn't that. Microsoft software. On it was Microsoft software. So if we, go, if we go back to the idea of only one good idea. Wait, no. It was a computer on every, every desk. desktop. Or every in America, desk, yes, or in the world, I can't remember. And <laughs> running then the Microsoft part that they never really publicized the was the right. was uh, running Microsoft software. So the one good idea. So uh, uh, let me let me come back to that. Actually, no, let me do that first. The one good idea is we just want our stuff running on everything. We know that computers are the future. And we and so if if Zuck only has one good idea, which is social, and it's and you can make the argument that that uh, Bill Gates, you know, all of the companies of the '80s that they slew to create the 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 office suite, there were huge multi-billion-dollar companies that had all yeah, of these Lotus. other products. Yeah. You know, wait, um, wait, but but okay, well. wait, so, to this this original sort of inception idea, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that Bill Gates did that fucked everything up, but also created the Microsoft empire mm. was applying copyright to software. Okay. There was a, in the early, yes. earliest days yes. of the Discovering home the greatest club, business model in history. Yes, precisely. So you have infinite abundance in software because you can copy it <clears throat> infinitely. He invented NFTs like <laughs> in the eighties because he basically said, every no, he invented FTs. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Even better. That's even better. And then he monetized it as though they were NFTs. Yes. <laughs> Basically every copy of windows, which, which had no marginal cost besides the cost of the disc that it was printed on could be monetized through subscription. 
Okay. So invented the entire business model. So that's why to me, like Steve Jobs is the visionary who said, this is how I want people to behave. And Bill Gates said, this is how I want to get paid. And it's also taste versus brute force. But as an entrepreneurial insight, the idea that hardware is the commodity, Bill Gates comes up in the era of IBM where it's like you buy a mainframe system from IBM and they just give you the software for free. The software is the differentiator. And because of the zero marginal cost thing, it is the margins that no business except for, I don't know, mining gold or some shit had ever dreamed of in the history oil. of humankind. There's oil. no way mining oil is as profitable as... Yeah, as probably not. Yeah, probably not. Right. So mm. look, if you want to give a frigging historical insight award or something like that. Like, I don't think you can argue that Bill Gates seeing that software was the, the, what's the word, the pressure point or like the, 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 the funnel that all of modern technology has to go through. That's the yep. greatest insight of our era. Yep. The, the only better business model than easily replicable software is easily replicable software distributed over the internet. Hmm. Like it, it, it's just one more layer of business model nirvana. Back to, to Salesforce. Remove all distribution costs. No, but that's and of an course, interesting. That's an interesting point because you could argue that as soon as the internet era comes, Gates is done. I mean, he well, he, he wrote the book, the you know, the road ahead. But then is Walmart, it the DO, is it the DOJ, it. David, or is it the fact that? I know that First he did only successful antitrust case in internet history. Yes. Right. But at the same time, like, yeah, I don't know. Actually, yeah, I don't I mean, know. It may have been. Go ahead. Well, I think this one truly is debatable. I think the one side, one point of view is like, look, companies, many companies don't survive transition uh, platform transitions and Google was coming anyway. And this would have happened anyway. And the DOJ didn't do a thing. On the other hand, like the DOJ case was about Internet Explorer, you know, like they were right there. Um, so, well, and it and the case was specifically about platforms as a business model, which again is a checkbox in uh, Bill Gates's column, which is that he created the concept of the modern platform play, right? Yep. That you play in my ecosystem, that I don't necessarily have to charge you and nickel and dime you for everything that you do on my platform. Just having the platform is enough. Although they wanted to do that, of course, that they <laughs> would have done that if they could have. Um, but so again, I would make the argument that, you know, as, as Chris said earlier, uh, Zuck is playing the, the, the Gates playbook essentially. Yep. You know, I actually, I want to, I want to point something out that also just, you know, is in the way that history, you know, doesn't rhyme, but it echoes, no, it, whatever it is like, yeah. It doesn't repeat Thank you. Rhymes. When I think about the way in which we think about Zuckerberg as uh, you know an evil uh, villain, Bill Gates was also an evil villain, you know, back in the day. And you know, I, I, like granted, this is what my TEDx talk is about, but like the culture of founders to me is the most powerful thing that they produce and then generate because it creates progeny, and that progeny goes out in the world and they affect all the subsequent businesses that are started and founded and created and invested in after that point. So whatever largesse, you know, the Microsoft millionaires and billionaires have to go then invest 
downstream, they will then use the lessons that they learn from that company and impart that to the next generation. Yep. And if you think about the Gatesian playbook, the reason why they lost, I mean, I would say that they lost the DOJ case was because of the arrogance and the hubris and how awful Microsoft could be as a competitor. Mm -hmm. And they just like played yeah. everyone off of each other and they would like gut you and you see it in Zuckerberg, but it's almost like he learned some of the lessons to soften it just enough to apologize yeah. and not be yeah. so obstinate so that he gets away with it and no one knows what to do with it. Right. He can prevaricate and disseminate in ways that that Gates never Gates apparently didn't take had the time the to, to do. To That's what I mean. To do. Yeah. So like, too, like too arrogant. Zuckerberg didn't was, realize that the consequences could be that bad. Became more socially kind of savvy and sophisticated. Yeah. And so I, I think when I evaluate each one of these like entrepreneurs, as we call them, I can't help but also evaluate them through that cultural lens. Like we we spent a lot of time talking about Bezos and the culture that he propagated. So. Yeah. In thinking about these things and, and you know Steve Jobs too, like the interesting thing in the matchup between Elon Musk and Steve Jobs is that they are both visionaries that see the future probably 30 years out and they're building towards it. And they're maniacally pushing down that path without necessarily bringing people along or creating a bunch of businesses uh, you know, for other people. And I think that's just different. And the culture that they create, uh, this is the last thing I'll say, may be that they are required to sort of be at the helm of these ships in order for them to keep moving. Whereas Zuckerberg and Gates and Bezos created cultures that could operate without them at the helm. Ben. So Chris, I think what you're, you're saying is thank you for coming to my Ted talk. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, yes, I do have, <laughs> I, I do have, an, I just got an unbelievable push notification that is like, couldn't be more perfect timing. Like it is literally just as we uh -oh. go into this final round, it's from the mm. New York Times, and it says, breaking news, SpaceX sent into orbit the world's first space flight with no professional astronauts. Wow. There we go. All right. Well, look, awesome. that's no better segue that is perfect timing. than to the finals. <laughs> kind of unbelievable. <laughs> the finals are going to be Steve Jobs versus Elon Musk. Now, I'm assuming you guys, since uh, we didn't do this the last time, but uh, do, did you guys look? Do you want to guess who won and what the percentages are? Or have you already looked? We should. I, we should, I didn't look. We should guess. I haven't looked. Unless you guys know. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess, regardless of what my actual opinion is, Like I'm going to just guess because of the hype cycle we're in right now that mm. it's uh, Elon 65%. Oof. Uh, I'll go Elon uh, even even higher, uh, seventy to seventy five percent. Wow! I, I like it. It feels like you guys are right, although I don't want it to be true. Uh, but I think it might be closer. <laughs> Say it out so. Like fifty five, forty five, Elon. So I don't know what to think about this because this is the result I expected in kind of the numbers that I expected, and I wonder if this is generational. I wonder if we had a younger audience, if it would be what you guys said. But Steve Jobs oh. won 68 to 32. Whoa! Wow! Upset. Wow. All right. Which means we need to talk about Elon first, because he's the loser. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Wow. Now, that's... We'll talk about his achievement from today. That is closer than a lot of the other results. 68% to 32%. It's the most votes that we got of any of the polls. Um, 
And, and, and I, you know, in Elon's semifinal round, he was losing and then there was a late surge for him. So I was kind of thinking the same thing would happen. I saw people on Twitter, like, you know, right. uh, Did literally ask the hashtag Twitter army to vote and things like, or not Twitter, (laughs) but Tesla army. Um, okay. So we can talk about why Steve jobs won later, but okay. Elon Musk, um, clearly if there's any he took the crown from modern Steve living. Jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's a yeah. modern living yeah. uh, personification of an entrepreneur, it's Elon Musk. He, he won the living entrepreneur world. world <laughs> <cup>. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I, you know, we could do an all time. Like, maybe that's the thing we should do is an all time. Like we do against Rockefeller. We do against, you know, the friggin Medici's or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, but OK, uh, I don't I don't even know where to begin, except for the fact that I'll say. If, if, and this is kind of like, this is a left field thing. Um, one of the things that has always struck me about Elon Musk is that, um, he, we know that he's had multiple foundings, multiple companies, multiple ideas, but you know how, um, he he had the, the PayPal thing, or he, even before that, he had the zip two thing. Yep. Yep. There was no question. He makes this money. And he's going to pour it into his next thing, but he pours all of it. Yeah. Now, and then he I, takes out loans even yeah. deeper. Yeah. To finance it. If we're oh, talking about the spirit of quick, an, the dude never loses. That dude is never okay. lost. But think <laughs> about the spirit of an entrepreneur is, and and I think the analogy that I may have made somewhere is is that like you know how in Hollywood there's this concept of like you be, you're you're a director and you make a movie that becomes successful and then you go to Hollywood and you say here's what I really want to do. Mm, yeah. Elon was successful twice, Zip two and then PayPal, and instead and 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 then he's like, well, here's what I really want to do. I want to go to fucking Mars, <laughs> and I will take all of the money that I have. And do that. Oh, you know what else I want to do? I want to um, make an electric car. Which and and in and in this order, I think people forget that that SpaceX was founded first before so Tesla. If we're talking about the spirit of an entrepreneur, that is like, I just want to fucking create, man. I've got this vision, and I will burn it all down. I will go broke to make this vision happen. Not once, not twice. However many fucking times at this yeah. point. The, got, I, end of rant. boring company we got uh neural link there's more to, there's still more yeah i mean that list is insane i the, also the think companies by the way if you want to make a pure economic argument which i've been doing a lot on these couple of shows <laughs> I, I think that sure we've got a trillion dollar company we got two trillion dollar company at this point in history a couple of them um i think spacex may be the first 10 trillion dollar company if they actually are the way that mm, like yeah. we get stuff up into space, we get to Mars, we colonize Mars, we bring internet to half the planet. Like this, the TAM for the stuff SpaceX is doing could mm. be much larger than any of these big tech companies to date. Yep. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. 
Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should, too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com TechMeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash tech meme. ZocDoc dot com slash tech meme. <laughs> oh boy. Infinite. I think to me, like, you know, I was saying Brian when you were talking, the biggest thing that is impressive to me about Elon, well. <laughs> Where everything is impressive, but the biggest thing that is impressive is, uh, you know, we haven't nailed down a definition of entrepreneur, and I think that's right because there's lots of definitions of what an entrepreneur is. But bread maker, by, we talked about this, right? But so one <laughs> one definition I think <laughs> or is, tomato ketchup is you know related to this sort of grit thing and like just refusing to lose, and like this is a man who refuses to lose <laughs> period uh even when his like the game he's playing is like the biggest in the world and um literally that is in almost every single one of these companies it is just that refusal to lose by him that has made these companies like it all comes down to that you know like i don't i'm gonna try to say this like how do i put this so one of the things that I feel like I've I've observed, there's two observations that I would make about Elon Musk. One is that he is neurodivergent. And it feels like, you know, and and I would I would maybe Zuck is too, and Bill Gates seems like he may be. And there there is a broad spectrum of the way in which neurology works and the way in which people think. And Elon to me feels like someone who thinks the way that the internet needs people to think. 
And that creates a strategic advantage over neurotypicals because his ability to focus and to clear out the noise and the clutter. And although he, you know, has dalliances in, you know, random whatevers, like when it comes down to the execution, it feels like he gets into a tunnel uh, and, and just executes towards it Mm -hmm. and everything else is distraction. And if you are a person and I, I don't, I'm sure he has a healthy ego, et cetera. But if you are, or have a normal, if you are neurotypical and have a normal ego, the things that you will do and get preoccupied with from a human culture perspective will hold you back. So I feel like that's why he's able to take off, you know, on these crazy adventures and doing insane things because he just doesn't give a shit, you know, because his mind works differently. And to be someone who, you know, grew up reading comic books, and this is the other observation you know, reading comic books and sci-fi and then deciding I want to do that also means that he is sort of the winner of the revenge of the nerds contest. And so people who have always been the underdogs look to him and say, I've never belonged. And yet he is the king of the heap now. And there's hope for me yet. And so those things coming together, give him an advantage that I think a lot of other entrepreneurs lack because they're either unrelatable or they're not of the moment of the internet that Elon seems to be. I, I I think that's the the best description of Elon uh, as as an entrepreneur that I've ever heard. I want to because we're gonna and I, I, I know that we do, shouldn't take away from him because we're gonna talk about jobs next. You know, he's crazy and he makes crazy risks and he gets lucky. He hasn't had. I don't know. You could argue he has. He hasn't had what Jobs had, which was failure. Now, so could now listen. The the definition. What about, of, what about um the the solar thing? The the that's the, not a the, failure like being kicked yeah. out of. Well, and also he was kind of kicked out of uh, PayPal. PayPal. But, yeah. Uh, but he also Solar took, City. Solar City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but Solar City isn't that part of uh, Tesla? He, now? he bought it. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. It well, was, there was, was there was cousins. a scandal or there was something. Yeah. Listen, there was. Steve Jobs was humiliated. Sure. He was kicked out of his company that he was the co-founder of, and he seemed to be a lost boy that had failed. The idea that, you know, it's better to be lucky than good. um, I agree, and I'm not arguing that he's not a genius. What if he's just the luckiest entrepreneur that ever existed? I was saying, I really don't think so because space four freaking rockets blew up before the fifth. Like, and Tesla was like, dead 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 in 2008 and then the freaking 420 thing like that company almost right. any other right. person at the wheel that company died twice <laughs> and but the fact that like didn't. the shame didn't take him out right? yeah the shame, he exactly he, he didn't pull a jack dorsey and become zen you know and meditate he just kind of was like whatever you know what i mean like so i smoked some weed so i did some weird shit you know like there's something about that which either is hubris or is arrogance or his ego or is just neurodivergence that allows him to sort of get the wind from the internet and like keep going because mostly it doesn't matter in terms of the things that he's trying to achieve uh we need to uh, let we need to let ben go because he needs to run real quick Uh, so ben if you want to do a final word and then we promise we'll do you justice for and wrapping this up for you oh i mean it's it's kind of funny that like 
Steve Jobs wins. Like if you would ask me who's the greatest entrepreneur of all time when I was 12, I'd tell you Steve Jobs. So like, why did we need to do all this? And why did I the last <laughs> 20 years of being in this business? I mean, it's, it's uh, like I had the guy's letters, thoughts on music and thoughts on flash, like pinned yep. up on my wall as a teenager. Yep. And like, maybe I have a problem, but like the, his clarity of thought in the way that he wanted the world to be. And then his relentless efforts to make it so, and the, the taste and the passion in, in, in which he did it, I, I, I don't think has been matched by anyone else in history. Like Elon Musk is as, as good of an entrepreneur and a visionary and, and, in, and maybe in more important ways, but no one will ever match Steve Jobs' taste. And I promise we're going to do you justice. Um, so you can dip out quietly while we continue this. But I think that that is, that is the right way to seg into the winner of this World Cup of Entrepreneurs, voted by you, Steve Jobs. It's taste. I don't... It, it's taste like an artist has taste. And, and, and people have called him an artist over and over and over and over and over again. Um, but I don't know, you know, if you think of, again, like going back to like Rockefeller and things like that, there's not taste in being like, well, I'm going to just get all the oil no, or I'm going to no. monopolize all the railroads or whatever. There's, there's strategic thinking. There's, um, you know, um, aggressiveness, there's a cutthroat willing to shiv people. There's different... In, in, in nothing that we've talked about, uh, maybe around the edges for certain people, but the idea that you could have a vision, you can have a vision as an entrepreneur. This is an idea that I want to exploit. This is something that I want to build. But this is something that I want to build because I want to see it realized in the world. That wasn't, that wasn't even enough, right? Because it was like, I want to see it and build it, but it also has to behave and perform the way I the way that I want it to. Yeah. And none of you motherfuckers believe me <laughs> that it's possible, but I'm going to stay here on your ass until you know, until I say yes. And the reason why I think that's like so important and, you know, there are so many reports about how Steve Jobs was so hard to work with and, you know, was abrasive and aggressive and all these things. But clearly there was something in his, and he wasn't always right. I think it's important to recognize that, you know, mm. unlike, you know, we were talking about with Elon where he just, you know, kind of just keeps winning. Um, there were several things that Steve Jobs thought and turned out to be wrong, but there were some things that turned out to be right that were so right. Mm. And what I find is when we talk about taste, I think the thing that differentiates Jobs from Bill Gates, who was his contemporary and his sort of sworn nemesis, I, I mean, not to not to give everyone's going to cancel me now and like turn off, but like was the fact that like Steve Jobs like did acid and was an oh, integrated thinker. Totally. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, I I don't think you can talk about Jobs and not talk about LSD. And okay, so let me explain why I think that's important. Was because the way in which psychedelics will operate on the way that you think is to allow you to make connections that otherwise wouldn't make any sense. And then to allow you to entertain them in a, a complete, I mean, like when they say an open-minded way, it really is, you know, the, the aperture is blown straight open and you can suddenly see things from a different 
level than people who are stuck into or trapped by conventional thinking and knowledge. And what I think Steve Jobs did very, very well in an era where this wasn't possible, and I guess I, you know, I can relate to this to some degree, was he brought that sense of taste, of culture, of artistry, you know, into the software world where it was a very, again, straight, numerical, logical, reductive space. And I think he was able to go beyond that and to really feel through some sort of empathic wisdom how other people would interpret or experience technology and worked very hard to reduce the feeling and the friction that technology imposes on its human subjects. And so that was, the, I think, the real thing that like, the iPhone was the epitome of, was removing the technology from the technology itself or the experience mm-hmm. of technology as it had been required to feel. Yeah, and that's why, just touch it. <laughs> literally, anybody who has these fingers you know, can touch and manipulate a computing device. And you see a stylus, so many we blew things, it. <laughs> yes. It, well, clearly things have you know, gone a long way, of, of course. But integrated so many technologies to bring that to people. And, and that's why I think when we talk about taste, that's what we mean. David, I, I, just roll. <laughs> um, because you know we can all, but but give give your piece. Yeah, and then oh, this is perfect. Then you should you should wrap up. Uh, so totally agree. You know, it's funny. Ben and I on acquired every now and then with an episode, this theme will come up. Not enough as it should. So I, I think we need to highlight it more. And I'm really curious, Brian, what you think, given your perspective as a internet historian. Um, I think like the 60s and the counterculture and California specifically in the 60s and the counterculture, like it was this great, you know, hope and dream of like a different world, right? Uh, and it failed in like almost all of its intended ways. Uh, but tech came out of it, right? And like, uh, and Steve Jobs is the link, right? Uh, and, um, and yeah, I think that's the that's why I think you you have to talk about acid if you're going to talk about Steve Jobs as the greatest entrepreneur you know of all of all time or the world the World Cup winner. Let's the say. World Cup winner, the World Cup winner, um, because yeah, the whole like you know everything Elon you know that we've all sung his praises and everybody else on this list. Um, Jobs, I think, was the first one to say, uh, you know, Chris, as you said, like this thing that everybody else would have said was like unreality can be reality. Uh, and like, and that's the legacy of the counterculture that made this all happen. That's my piece. Yeah. I said in the book that, um, Silicon Valley's culture is a combination of sort of MIT libertarianism with, you know, hippie counterculture stuff. Steve Jobs idol. Like a lot of people his age was John Lennon. He, did more to realize the vision that he and John Lennon believed in mm-hmm. than John Lennon did, I would yeah. say. I'm going to, not because I believe this, but because I feel like I just want to push back a little bit. Okay. Um, what if, let me, let me throw this concept out there. Um, Steve Jobs was a bad businessman in or entrepreneur in the sense that he did fail 
his first time out in the sense that Apple almost died and it was largely because of the decisions he made. He wanted that lockdown thing. He wanted, you know, you could only do the things that he wanted you to do with his machine. And so we said about Elon, maybe he's the luckiest, but what happened to, I would posit playing devil's advocate, what happened to Steve Jobs is he got lucky because in the PC era, the business model that Bill Gates had was superior to the business model that Steve Jobs wanted. He got a second bite of the apple. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Great. I love um, I love and that second time he got lucky because his vision actually made more sense when the iPhone came around than when he was competing against Bill Gates and the PC clones and things like that. Chris, you look skeptical. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think that you've brought up a really important point, but it sort of builds on the things we've been talking about. And the point that I would make is that Bill Gates was perfectly suited to create a business model for the business world because he was fighting against the international business machines company. And I think that Steve Jobs, through whatever vision he had on his vision quests or whatever, was more interested in bringing computers to everybody. And that is why the iPhone was preceded by the iPod, which was an entertainment device and was more accessible to millions of people. And there was Mm -hmm. always the presence of, you know, fun of things that, you know, people enjoyed, right. Was music, what, you know, YouTube albums, but personal computing, Chris, there was a PC industry for 20 Personal years. computing didn't start until, until the iPhone came out. Until you had a computer in your pocket. Yes. Personal computing. Steve Jobs understood personal computing yes. more than anyone he put else. The personal in personal exactly. computing. I agree. Even with though you I understand the haters are going to come on and say, oh, well, personal computing was in reference to time sharing on, you know, shared machines or what. <laughs> but like we're talking about personal in the this device represents and reflects me and is an extension of me. And Steve Jobs. I, you know, I, I don't know. I never talked to him or whatever, but like could imagine extending yourself cyborganically into these products. And that is what the iPhone became because it humanized technology in a way that no one else had really done or had been willing to achieve. And so the, the thing that I want to say, when we come back to this question of what is an entrepreneur, it seems to me that what unifies a lot of these people is that they defy fear that otherwise would cause other people to to flee the scene, to leave, to to abandon their ideas, to abandon their hopes and dreams. It's not enough to be a visionary. It's critical to to have the vision and also to stand in the face of fear and to continue to go forward. You know, if you think back to like what Steve Jobs did with Next, and he kept trying, even though he was wrong so many times. And that over time, by just throwing himself into a wall, eventually he had to have learned some lesson that said, you know, maybe I'm going about this in a slightly wrong way. And when he finally came back to Apple, he was matured. He wasn't as, as I understand it, abrasive. And so it just, it feels like um, persevering in the face of fear is what really identifies or unites entrepreneurs. I love that. I think that's, I think that's great. The uh, only small thing I'd add is, uh, <laughs> you know, these uh, next, the uh, you know, the it's funny, right? Like, you know, maybe he was he was wrong at Apple, and then Next was not hugely successful as a company, but it's what Next developed that's in every yep. single one of our iPhones now. 
Yep. From World Religions and from Joseph Campbell that sometimes you have to go out into the wilderness. Yes. To yes. get your redemption arc. Um, <laughs> I don't know that, uh, gentlemen, that we have solved the question of what an entrepreneur actually is. I feel good that Steve Jobs won this contest. Mm. Um, I'm surprised that you guys thought Elon would have won it, but we don't have time to get into that now. Um, I, uh, I do want to say this. Uh, I want to say, number one, um, David, uh, your podcast is amazing. You're, ben and you do the Acquired podcast. I want to just uh, say, if you've never listened to it, you guys do such well smart work. Oh, my yeah, God. Well, thank you. So good. I mean, literal okay. MBA level stuff and beyond. Um, um, so search your podcast app for Acquired. Is it Acquired podcast or just Acquired? Uh, just okay. You'll find it with yeah, you'll Acquired. Find it. Yeah, just Acquired. Thank you, uh, both of you and Ben, for coming on to do this. Thank you, Chris, for doing this again. Yeah, um, it's fun. And I got to say this. I, I feel like I came to you guys with a wild, crazy idea, and you guys kind of went along with me because you like me. Jesus Christ, man, I haven't had fun like this, this was in so a fun. little while. <laughs> this was great. So uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for we, doing we, this. Hey, we do like you, and we think this is a great idea. Okay. Agreed. All right. Well, next time I come, with, come at you with a crazy idea, it might not be this good. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. And... Uh, Hey, Steve, wherever you're at, uh, you won the World Congratulations. Cup. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Later.